Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast it is presented by league apps if you've been listening to the show you know that oftentimes i have multiple guests four five six and then there are some shows when you get two special people and you can leave it at that that's what we've got today the Alabama women's soccer team will host its first ever NCAA tournament game tomorrow against Jackson State at 6 p.m. Central Time at the Alabama Soccer Stadium. The 2022 SEC champions and SEC tournament runner-up, the Tide, enter the tournament with a 19-2-1 overall record, which includes a perfect 10-0 run in conference play. They are led by their eight-year head coach, Wes Hart, who's got a great story to tell and what an unbelievable season he has. He has earned the right to be our leadoff guest on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. As you know, we try to spend at least every week or every other week with somebody from the training ground, the new initiative developed by United Soccer Coaches, and today we do just that. One of the key priorities for Jeff Van Dusen, the new CEO for United Soccer Coaches, was to make United Soccer Coaches more than just a place to post jobs for coaches, but to be a resource for coaches to help find jobs. And as part of the training ground, the many people that are involved in the amazing content creation consortium, they have a heavy focus on people finding jobs, helping them write resumes, helping them look for the right job, helping them interview the right way. And today we are joined by one of those content creation consortium leaders, Julie Balki, the president and chief career strategist for the Balki Group, spelled T-H-E-B-A-U-K-E group.com. She's a media superstar. You've probably heard her on the radio, maybe seen her on TV, maybe seen some of her articles. She has submitted a great article called Job Search the Right Way. It's not all about you, but it starts there. We'll break that down. We'll break down the book that she has written and so much more. Julie Balki is the real deal. Wes Hart is the real deal. And those are our two guests. We meet them both after this message, starting with Wes Hart, the head coach of the Alabama women's soccer team, one of four number one seeds that kicks off in the 64-team tournament tomorrow. Wes Hart on the bounce. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. 
Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. The Alabama soccer team will host its first ever NCAA tournament game after the NCAA selected the Crimson Tide as a number one seed this week on Monday. The Tide will host Jackson State at 6 p.m. Central Time Friday at the Great Alabama Soccer Stadium. The 2022 SEC champions and SEC tournament runner-up. The Tide enters the tournament with, get this, a 19-2-1 overall record, which includes a perfect 10-0 run in conference play. Alabama will make its fifth appearance in the tournament in addition to marking the first time the program has entered back-to-back berths. As the host of this show, this is long overdue to talk to the man who has put Alabama straight on the map, Wes Hart, now in his eighth season at the helm of the Crimson Tide, joins me now on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Wes, I apologize that it's taken this long, but man, the number one seed, great to have you on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Dean, well, I appreciate you having me on. It uh, feels like I've finally arrived and uh, and made it as a soccer coach when I can get in there. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, you're very kind. I feel like our lives are kind of intertwined in that I was the original voice of the Colorado Rapids and was there for the first three years before moving to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and starting on my broadcast career, particularly in the college game. But I remember you when you were at the Rapids because I continued to follow them. And then the other part is obviously calling a lot of Big Ten games. There's a lot of players from Colorado. I think Colorado might be the true hotbed for women's soccer. And I kept running across these people that were coached by you, including Corey Dyke, who's had an unbelievable season for Penn State. Her mom was kind enough to give me your number, Wes. So here we are. So I want to hear your story. Remind me where you went to college, because I know you were a big time player. And then, of course, you played in Major League Soccer, I think, for multiple teams. But I definitely remember following you at the Colorado Rapids. So start from the beginning, Wes. It's a podcast. So we have time, my man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I don't know how far you want to go back, but uh, but I, I grew all the up, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I grew up actually playing for the the same club that uh, that I coached Corey Dyke and a, and a number of other players. You know, Jordan DiBiase and Lindsey Horan and Betsy Brandon. A lot of a uh, lot of big time players, as you mentioned. You know, Colorado is a hotbed for for women's soccer, and uh, you know some some very very talented talented players there. Um, but uh, I grew up playing for that same club, and and then after my uh, my pro my pro career. Um, ended I, I went back and, and coached for for that club so it was kind of it was called club columbine at the time um you know when i first started playing but by the end of my playing career it was colorado rush and uh and that's kind of how i started my my coaching career but uh you know after my uh my days of playing club i went to, uh went to the university of wisconsin so um you know right there in the big 10 your uh your uh your your country there um went uh you know, the, the coach I went to play for, a um, guy by the name of uh, Jim Launder and Ian Barker. I'm um, sure you, you know those names. Um, but uh, they would uh, my senior year, they were recruiting me, and they just won the national championship. And <clears throat> program looked to be in, uh, in great shape. And, you know, uh, really enjoyed, you know, uh, you know, my conversations and my interactions with those coaches and, and the team. And uh, um, you know, so I, uh, I went to University of Wisconsin and uh, and after my first year, uh, they, they fired Jim Launder and, uh, um, they brought in a, a new coach that, um, you know, really wasn't the right fit for me or, or a lot of the players on the team. And so, you know, I ended up uh, only lasting one more year there after my, uh, sophomore season, uh, I transferred, um, to the university of Washington, 
<clears throat> I had a number of friends that I used to play, uh, you know, regional team with. I was on the, you know, U.S. Region 4 ODP team back when that was a big, a big deal. Um, so I played uh, regional soccer with the guys, a lot of guys that were at University of Washington. One of my best friends from high school went to University of Washington. Um, and so, you know, when I decided to, to transfer, you know, I reached out to those guys and, uh, you know, fortunately they, uh, they had room for me at Washington. A lot of those guys were, were kind of exiting out, heading into the MLS and the spot opened up for me. So I went to University of Washington uh, for my junior and senior year, and it was probably one of the best soccer decisions I've ever made. So um, I was a two-time All-American, um, played for uh, Dean Wurzberger, um, another name you, you probably know, um, but, uh, you know, I uh, had a uh, a very, uh, very good career there. You know, it was just kind of the, the perfect environment, you know, uh, um, you know, kind of the, the system we played, the formation we played, yeah, everything about it just kind of was uh, the right fit for me. And so, like I said, I was a two-time All-American at Washington and uh, ended up getting drafted in the first round of the MLS draft, uh, number seven overall for the Colorado Rapids, which was kind of a dream for me going back to my hometown. That's incredible. So how many years at Colorado? I also see the Earthquakes jersey behind you. So you clearly were at a couple teams, but uh, talk about all the teams you played for in MLS, Wes. Yeah, so I did... Um, uh, I did four years with Colorado Rapids. Uh, my first year did not quite go as, as well as I liked. I, I got injured in preseason. I uh, yeah had uh, um, some really bad tendonitis in, in my knee that was uh, keeping me from from playing. So you know I think the first four or five months, um, you know I, I sat out the season just kind of resting up my knee. Um, you know in hindsight it it might have been. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably how I got into coaching because <laughs> that's when I, I started uh, working with with my old club, Colorado Rush. The fact that I was in Colorado and, uh, you know, um, you know, it made a lot of sense for me to just kind of start doing some coaching. And uh, it's where I kind of got my feet wet working for my own club, old club. Um, and, uh, you know, while I was while I was rehabbing. But I came uh, I came back towards the end of the year. Um, we had a good little kind of playoff push. Um and, uh, and I, I like to believe that I was a, a part of that. Um, my first ever start uh, was against the, the Kansas City Wizards. Uh, Tony Miola was in goal. And uh, my first ever start, I, I scored my, my first career goal. And then uh, second, uh, second start was against Miami Fusion, and I scored. Um, so two, two, uh, two starts, mm -hmm. two goals. And then uh, that was uh, that was it for me. I never scored a, another goal <laughs> in the next few years. But uh, um, I ended up, you know, I was a, I was a forward. I was a forward in, uh, you know, forward or attacking mid in, in college and uh, in my first year in the pros. But uh, you know, after my first year, um, uh, Glenn Myronick uh, uh, was let go, and, and they brought in a new coach, Tim Hankinson, and he um, he brought in a couple forwards, John Spencer being one of them. Uh, um, Chris Carrieri. So we, he brought in a couple of forwards that, uh, that he wanted and, um, you know, kind of shifted me around. So I, uh, think my second year I was a holding mid, uh, third year, I was an outside midfield and a, and a three, five, two. And then my, my last three years of playing pro, I was an outside back. And so kind of, kind of took me away from the goal, which, um, you know, near the goal, which, which was not, uh, I don't know. I looking back and I wish I, I wish I would have, would have stayed as a, as more of an attacking player, but, you know, at the time, you know, it's like, man, I just, I just want to see the field wherever you need me. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ready to play, but uh, I did, uh, I did miss being in and around goal and, uh, and having the opportunity to, to, to score a few more goals, but, uh, but it was a, a good career. Four years with the Rapids. After my fourth year with the Rapids, I got traded uh, to the San Jose earthquakes and, um, you know, an awesome move. I, I played for Dominic Kinnear uh, with the, 
with the earthquakes and um he might have been uh, you know one of my favorite coaches i've I've ever had um just an incredible incredible person i believe he's still coaching somewhere i i can't recall i think he's bounced around a bit but i think he may be in cincinnati do you uh I think he is yeah with coach noonan i know dominic yeah. well in fact yeah dominic we traded from colorado for paul bravo who had a, a great career with the colorado rapids and i was there when we made the decision after one season to bring on mooch who was a a great great man who left us you know way too early so and of course tony mioli i was with for about five years with the u.s national team so i love all those names west that's uh, phenomenal that yeah it's uh, crazy crazy how uh, intertwined the, the, the soccer world is right so uh you know, Dominic Kinnear, you mentioned both Dominic and Paul Bravo, you know, both both good friends of mine. I uh, still talk to, to them quite a bit. Um, but uh, with with Dominic, you know, what, what I loved about Dominic as a coach, and it's funny because at the Rapids, my my last two years with the Rapids, um, you know, I was starting and, and, and playing every game and uh, and playing a ton. I got traded to the Earthquakes and, you know, wasn't playing as much, you know, as, you know, as in some games, out some games. And, uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, my, my, my career started kind of kind of fading, at least, you know, in terms of playing time and stuff. But I uh, I still very much enjoyed my my time there. I played with some incredible players, you know, Dwayne De Rosario, you know, Ronnie Eklund, Landon Donovan, um, you know, uh, uh, you, know, you know, you name it. I mean, that roster was was stacked with 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 big time players. But uh, it was a, a great experience. But uh, just my favorite part of it was, you know, being there with uh, with Dominic Kinnear. And, you know, he he really I, I just learned a lot about, you know, how to manage people and 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 care about the person first. Um, you know, just the, the way he treated people, you know, made you want to play for him. You know, he wasn't a, a screamer and a yeller, you know, he motivated you by encouragement. And, you know, I feel like a lot of what I do as a coach is, is stuff I, I learned from Dominic. Awesome to spend time with Wes Hart, a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, truly an incredible story. I feel like there's two big time stories to cover this year. That is the emergence of Michigan state and what you've done at Alabama. Now, as uh, you've earned the number one seed, it's truly amazing. Wes, you touched on the fact that you use that first year to dive back into coaching. And the way I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you were coaching players like Corey Dyke. I think maybe Sophia Smith. I'm not sure about Mia Raven. I mean, the names are incredible, right? You were coaching some of those players, right? Yeah. I wish I could take credit for Sophia Smith. Um, <laughs> I, I can't take credit for her, but, okay. uh, um, but now, you know, Lindsay Horan and, and Betsy Brandon and Jordan DiBiase and, um, you know, a, a number of players, a lot of the girls that we have on our team right now, there's a, a player on our team, Macy Clem, uh, Mariana Annes, Bella Scaturo. You know, these are girls, you know, with with ties to, you know, to Colorado Rush that, you know, when we got the job here, my assistant coach who also worked, you know, with me at Colorado Rush, you know, he was their direct, I was their, you know, their, their director. He was their direct coach. And he was the one that directly coached um, Corey Dyke. I actually coached uh, Corey's sister, Cameron Dyke. And no so that's name. kind of the connection there. But uh, no, we uh, we knew right away, you know, when we got to Alabama, it's like, OK, we got to figure out, you know, our niche. You know, every every school's got one. You just got to got to find one. And uh, for us, it's like, OK, we got to go out and get the best possible players we can. And you know, I learned this from Mark Krikorian, you know, that, you know, <laughs> don't get locked into, you know, staying in certain boundaries. You know, Mark's, you know, Mark's vision was, you know, he's going to go out and get the, the best international players he can. And, you know, he had the, the network, he had the contacts. Um, to do that and so you know we had to figure out as a coaching staff well what is our niche going to be what what are our contacts where where can we draw players from and so for me the the simple one was well shoot i've got ties in colorado um you know i gotta i gotta i gotta get out to, to colorado and start getting some colorado girls to alabama 
So talk about how you got to this point, because you're a number one seed in a time where the parity in women's college soccer is unbelievable. The talent is unbelievable. I mean, Wes, it's an amazing accomplishment. Even you will admit when you think of Alabama, of course, you think of Nick Saban immediately. A lot of people probably don't even know they have a women's soccer team. They know now, my man. They definitely know now after 19 wins and a number one seed. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And it's uh it's incredible. And and it it has taken longer than than I had hoped. Um, you know, people people warned me though. I mean, you know, Mark Krikorian, you know, I mentioned, you know, Dominic Kinnear being a, a big influence on my coaching career, you know, clear, clearly Mark Krikorian was, a, was a huge influence as well. And just learned so much, you know, under, under coach Krikorian and, and very grateful for, for everything he's done for me and, and the opportunities, you know, he's helped provide me, but uh, you know, Mark was one that, you know, I mean, he kind of, kind of mentioned, he threw the number eight years out there and it's, it's funny, Colby Hale, you know, through the number eight years out there to me as well that, you know, they said to truly put your, you know, handprint on, on something, you know, especially back when I first took the job over, you know, we were recruiting eighth and ninth graders, you know, uh, I got to Alabama and every good junior and senior, I mean, they had already been committed to schools for years before, you know, we even got there. So, I mean, we're, we're literally trying to recruit, you know, freshmen and in, in, uh, in high school. And so, you know, it was three or four years before we even got these players, onto campus. And then all of a sudden, you know, another few years before they kind of truly get, you know, ingrained into, into the program and stuff. So it's, um, you know, might be a little bit uh, quicker now, um, you know, with the transfer portal and with the fact that, uh, you know, you're not recruiting until junior and senior year now. And so, you know, but, uh, but definitely, um, you know, it, uh, it took time and, uh, you know, I, I would have liked it to, to been a bit, bit quicker, bit a bit sooner, but, uh, at the same time, I look back at some of the struggles we had over the years and, and some of the tough times, and it just makes it you know that much sweeter now. You know, you can appreciate it that much more because because we did go through some tough times. Two questions here all together. So I do want to know where you were before you got the call from Alabama, what you were doing. And then, Wes, I'm always fascinated when a big-time player who had a great college career, a great pro career started to figure out that coaching young women was where they would have success. So tell us your story on your steps to get to Alabama. And then also, obviously you're coaching the women at Alabama. They're a number one seed. They only have four of them, by the way, folks. So incredible year. When did you know that coaching women was where you were going to hang your hat? Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I mentioned you when I was playing, uh, playing professionally, um, both in Colorado and when I went to San Jose, I, uh, I, I dove into coaching, you know, part of it was to, to keep busy, you know, um, it, you know, we were just training a couple hours a day and especially when I was hurt, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to, to, to stay more involved, um, you know, and, and I thought coaching would be a great way to, to stay busy. And, and I, I kind of thought that, well, shoot, you know what, I, I don't ever want to, leave the game. I, I love, <laughs> love the sport of soccer. It's, it's, you know, um, and so I, I knew that, you know, kind of once my playing career ended, it's like, well, shoot, I, I think I would love to, to keep coaching or I'd love to start coaching. And so, you know, that made a lot of sense for me to do that. And so while I was a club coach, um, I was doing both, you know, boys and girls. Um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, you know, the, uh, you know, doing, doing both They're they're different. Um, you know, it uh, it was interesting with the girls. It felt like, you know, they were a little more, uh, I don't know how to, how to say this, probably, uh, probably listened a little bit better, <laughs> you know, almost, almost too much. So though, whereas the boys, you know, want to be a little more creative and, you know, you'd give them a, a way to do something and, and they would want to, <laughs> they would want to throw their, 
their spin on it and uh, and be like, okay, well, what about this idea? What if we did this instead? You know, whereas the girls were a little bit more, you know, listened a little bit better. But uh, you know, I enjoyed enjoyed coaching both, you know, boys and and girls. And um, you know, uh, I don't know what was the deciding factor on on why to go to the girls' route. I, I think what I was time it was a, it was about eight or nine years in the club game. My family uh, was, you know, my kids were getting older. Um, the club game was not real family friendly you know my my kids were uh you know were coming home from school and I was heading out the door and then they were going to bed and I was just getting home and uh weekends were were slammed with with soccer tournaments and games and it's like I, I never felt that I really got to to see my kids and, and my family and uh it wasn't uh, wasn't enjoyable for me and so you know I had a, a couple conversations with a few college coaches and uh, it just seemed like you know the more opportunities at the time were in the women's game the the coaches that I was talking to were, were women coaches and so that was kind of my my path into the women's college game um you know tom stone uh probably another name you know um, my first broadcast ever, partner he was my right? first broadcast partner at the rapids yeah yeah so i yeah i gotta give tom stone credit for uh he's the one that uh that reached out to me first and 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 talked to me about you know college coaching and you know i i kind of blew him off at first um because at the time this was a few years before you know my family was you know, I, I wasn't seeing my family a ton. And, uh, um, you know, Tom was kind of, you know, asking me that, hey, you know what, uh, there is a potential that that my assistant coach, you know, might be getting a head job. And if that would happen, would you have interest? And, you know, the first time I talked to him, I blew him off. And I said, no, nah, it doesn't interest me at all. You know, I, I like what I'm doing. And then, you know, after a couple of years, I, I reached back out to him. I said, hey, you know what, I think I might want to want to take you up on uh, on that offer and so yeah, I was talking to Tom a little bit um and then you know there was another four or five coaches you know I had a, a bunch of you know very good uh club players that I was coaching and so I was always on the phone with college coaches and and that would come up from time to time and so you know that just kind of got me into the the women's college game you know when the opportunity came to to coach at Florida State it was uh it was a no-brainer you know I'd actually kind of verbally already accepted not accepted but I'd talked to another coach about taking a job and then uh and then coach Gregorian called and you know I was like man I I don't know if I can pass this one up and mm -hmm. so thankfully that coach was understanding and and actually pushed me to go to Florida State she said no you'd be crazy not to take <laughs> not to take that job and so so anyway uh got uh, hired on at Florida State and had a couple of amazing years there learned so much about uh about the game um you know it's, it's great man you you know I've worked with a lot of great coaches both played for worked for, you know, Eric Boucher is another one at the Colorado Rush that, that I worked for, that I learned a ton from, Tim Schultz, um, you know, Coach Krikorian. And you just, you know, for me, you know, I was like a sponge. I was just trying to steal as much as I could from from all these coaches that I'd, I'd been around. And, and that's kind of how I feel I am as a coach today. I just tried to take the, the best from everyone. And, uh, you know, not many, not many things I do are my own original ideas. They're all things that were taken from other people you know well that's part of what united soccer coaches does right we share and learn and educate together so you had that process remind me how many years you were at florida state and were you part of any of the natties yeah so um my first year at florida state um was 2013 um we won the the acc tournament and then uh went on to the ncaa um, tournament and uh, we lost to ucla in overtime in the final um, so that was 2013, the first year. 2014, again, we won another ACC tournament and uh, um, this time went to the NCAA um, final and, and beat Virginia. Um, so I was there two seasons. We we took second my first year and we won it my second year. And then from there, 
um, you know, I, I kind of told Mark when, when I first took the job at, at Florida State, I said, hey, look, I, I want to be upfront and honest with you. Um, you know, if I take this job, I, I just want to let you know that I have aspirations of, of being a head coach. And, um, and he was awesome. You know, he was super supportive. And he said, okay, well, then let's, uh, let's help you get there. And, um, you know, so after, uh, after my second year at Florida State, um, you know, we just won the national championship. There were a lot of big jobs opening up, you know, Georgia had opened up, Vanderbilt had opened up, um, you know, the Alabama job had opened up. And so, you know, after the season ended, um, yeah, I went to Mark and I said, Hey, look, I'm, I'm loving it here. I, I am not checking out on you or anything like that. I said, but I can't help, but, but, but see some of these jobs opening up. I just love your advice and opinion on, you know, some of these jobs, would they be good jobs? And, and if they would, you know, do you feel that you would push me towards those? And, uh, um, you know, thankfully, uh, you know, he was you know, super supportive, super helpful, and uh, you know, helped, me, helped me get this Alabama job. We're here with the top man at Alabama, Wes Hart. This conversation has been fascinating. We're going to take a quick break and come back to wrap up our conversation with our leadoff guest, number one seed, Alabama, 19 wins, 10-0 in the SEC. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Lee Gaps. Register now for the 2023 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. From January 11th through the 15th, connect with your soccer coaching community and experience all United Soccer Coaches has to offer in one place. Enhance your coaching resume by attending over 200 education sessions taught by world-class instructors. In addition to meal functions, award ceremonies, and a huge exhibit hall offering the latest in coaching tech, equipment, and more. Register before the December 15th Price increase at UnitedSoccerCoachesConvention.org. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve Level 1 accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the Master Course Schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. It's not too late to get your program recognized for the 2022-23 season. Register now for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program to enhance your coaching experience with educational offerings, general liability insurance, and awards and rankings eligibility for you and your players. The College Services Program serves to support you and your coaches, recognize your students' amazing efforts on the field and in the classroom, and advocate for meaningful change that protects our coaches and players. Register today by visiting unitedsoccercoaches.org backslash college. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. We're kicking off the show with Wes Hart, the top man for the Alabama women. 19 wins, 10-0 in the SEC. They got a number one seed and they'll get started on Friday. And Wes, you said right before the break that uh, there were a couple of schools open out there. Georgia was open was one of them. Then you said Alabama. What do you remember about uh, the process and what do you remember about the excitement of Jamie and your children, Dominic and Grace, about going to Tuscaloosa? Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I, I knew nothing about University of Alabama. I, I didn't even know, to be honest with you, a great deal about the SEC. You know, as a as um, you know, as a club coach, um, you know, in Colorado, even growing up in Colorado, you know, I just I don't know. I 
wasn't really the SEC. I, I didn't know a, a great deal about it. You know, I, I, I took the job at Florida State and, um, you know, was, was there in the ACC and, you know, just, I don't, I don't know. We didn't really play many teams at the SEC at the time. So, so I, I didn't know much about, about Alabama or the conference at all. And so when, uh, when I was talking to Mark about the job, you know, he thought it would be a good one, you know, one of his, you know, uh, comments to me and, and what I thought was very fascinating about the job as well is, um, you know, there, there wasn't a great deal of history, you know, wasn't a great deal of success here. You know, we, you know, I, I came here and took this job over. We still, to this day, never had an All-American. Um, I believe we will this year, you know, in, in, you know, in 25 years, you know, they've been to, you know, two NCAA tournaments, you know, since then we've been to three more. So, so, you know, now we're, we've gone to, to five, never had a, you mentioned earlier, never had a home, uh, home NCAA tournament game. And, and we've got one this year. We'd never won an NCAA tournament game. We did that last year. We beat Clemson in the first round of the NCAA tournament you know, never won a, an SEC regular season title. And there's just so many things that, you know, for me, it felt like, well, gosh, man, there's, there's so much potential here. And uh, there's an opportunity to, to do something special in a place that, that hadn't, hadn't done anything yet. And so that was, that was really exciting to me. I, that was more exciting to me than trying to come over and take over an established program and, and just kind of continue with, you know, what was, what was already going on there. As you think about being the number one seed and sort of, how that puts you in center stage for Alabama and your program. Is there any added pressure or do you feel like your team's ready to embrace it, attack it and make a deep run and maybe find themselves in North Carolina when this thing's all over? It's hard. It's hard to, to figure out you know, what, uh, what exactly the, the mindset of, of each player is. Um, I know for me, I don't, I don't feel a great deal of, of pressure. I feel like it kind of like going into the SEC tournament, you know, um, we'd already won the SEC regular season. We'd already had the best, you know, season in program history. You know, we, we'd already accomplished so much for me. It was like, man, this is just, you know, icing on the cake. You know, we're going to treat each one of these games one game at a time. And, uh, um, you know, certainly we, we went there with the goal of, of winning the SEC tournament. Unfortunately, you know, we, we fell a game short, but, you know, we, I don't know. I, I feel like we've, we've done so much already and you know we're going to look at this tournament as taking it one game at a time and uh, uh i think if we approach it that, that way um like we've done you know every game this season i, I think we're gonna gonna be successful but uh i think we can we can all look back and uh and, and appreciate you know what uh, what we've been able to do this season without you know adding more pressure to our plate like we've got to win this game or we've got to accomplish this i mean we've already done so much that that i think we're, we're pretty proud of pretty proud of ourselves. As I mentioned, when people think of Alabama, they think of Roll Tide, they think of Nick Saban. Have you jumped on the Roll Tide wagon, Wes, uh, full board with your family? Oh, absolutely. We, uh, we are definitely uh, Alabama through and through. Um, we've been embraced the, the life here. And this is such a, a cool, cool community. So I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, I went to, um, you know, I grew up in, in Colorado, which is an unbelievable place to live. But, you know, the college scene is not really that big in Colorado. There's just so much going on that, you know, you really, you know, growing up, I, I, you know, of course there's the CU buffs and the Rams and stuff, but, you know, for me, it was always, you know, the Denver Broncos and, you know, the Nuggets and there's just so much going on that, you know, you the college life was not a big thing. You know, I went to Seattle where there's a lot going on in Seattle. You know, so again, even though I was at University of Washington, it just didn't feel like a big deal. Well, you come to the South and like, oh man, it's <laughs> it's a different world here. I mean, college college athletics is everything in the South. And uh, especially in a place like Alabama, you know, where, you know, in Tuscaloosa specifically, where it's like, it's a college town and it's a 
big, big, big deal to be involved, uh, you know, with the university, whether you're a coach or a student or an athlete or just an employee here, or, you know, just even an alumni, right? If you've got ties to the University of Alabama here, it's a it's a big deal. And so, you know, to to be here and to, to be part of this and just kind of to feel the the passion and the spirit and everything around this town, it's it's awesome. And you know, it makes it that much sweeter when when you're winning and you're successful because. Uh, People here, they they like winners, and uh, you know it's uh, it's it's been really awesome to see people jump on the bandwagon and uh, and really really support Alabama soccer this year. Just a couple more questions with Wes Howard. I can tell you're a very humble man, but you're now a big deal, Wes, for what you've done at Alabama is truly is amazing. And one of the great things about this podcast is, you know, we have 30,000 members and a key part of it is coaches that, you know, want to be Wes Hart. They want to figure out a way to get there. Do you have any words of advice for coaches that are out there trying to figure out how to find that job. And I love the fact that you told Mark Dracorian right away that you had aspirations to be there. You visualized it, you made it happen. Any words of wisdom for our young coaches, men and yeah. women? Yeah, a lot. Um, things come to, come to mind here. You know, first of all, um, you know, I, I think you got to know what you want and you, you can't be afraid to, to let it be known. Right. And so, as you mentioned, right. I, I told Mark right away, I, you know, I didn't want to beat around the bush or be sneaky about it. I, you know, I told him I had aspirations and, and, and thankfully he was, you know, supportive of that and, and wanted to help me get there. So I think first and foremost, it's important to, to know what you want and then to, to communicate, and let it, uh, let it be known. You know, as far as uh, other advice, you know, I, I told you already, it just the amount of, you know, stuff I stole from, from other coaches that I played for or coached with or coached against. Um, you know, there's not really that many new ideas out there that haven't been done. And so, you know, for me, it's not about kind of reinventing, you know, the wheel or anything like that. It's about, you know, taking what, uh, what, what makes sense and what works and, and, and using it. You know, I, uh, I'm not afraid to, to reach out to other coaches and, and get advice, um, nor am I afraid about sharing you know, advice. I can't tell you how many coaches have reached out to me this year, thinking that I've got life figured out. Um, and I am, I am an open book. I'm not afraid to, to share anything with people. So, you know, if anyone ever wants to reach out to me, I'm, I'm happy to talk. What I will tell you is I don't believe I have all the answers, you know, and, and uh, I think what's great is I don't think there's a, a blueprint. There is no one way to be successful and what works for one coach or one program does not necessarily mean it's going to work for another. And, and even I look at, I look at our team right now and what I'm doing with our team and, you know, how I'm motivating them or how I'm coaching them or the messages I'm giving them, it's going to be different a year from now. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm going to have to find new buttons to push. I'm going to have to find new activities. I'm going to have to find new ways of presenting things. And, you know, so again, it's like, you know, it, it's funny, you know, every time, uh, uh, a coach wins a Super Bowl or, or, or wins the Champions League, you know, they write a book and everyone wants to copy that. And it's mm -hmm. like, you got to find out what what works for your team. You know, again, yeah, you can steal some ideas, but you can't just take someone else's <laughs> plan and, and put it with your team and, and think it's it's going to work. And so, you know, for me this year, I was fortunate enough to to find out what what makes my team tick and uh, and and it's working right now. But but I I'm not stupid enough to think that we can just copy this blueprint and use it again next year and the year after and think it's going to going to magically work. So you got to be willing to uh, to adapt and adjust and and, uh, and got to figure out what uh, what makes your team tick. Great answer. Final question here. And there's 
no wrong answer. Obviously, you're on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. They have their NCAA College Services Director that tries to look out for all levels, D1, D2, D3, NAIA, et cetera. How have you used United Soccer Coaches in your coaching career, Wes? The overall connections that uh, that you've got, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I'm not afraid to to reach out to to coaches. I, I love the fact, you know, I, I think I get the 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 weekly emails, or sometimes it feels like more than weekly emails about, uh, <laughs> you know, with with different training sessions. You know, I click on every single one of those and uh, and watch them, and and I try to steal, you know, little things. And and sometimes I'll, I'll see an activity or an exercise that uh, that I liked, and I'll I'll put my own twist or my own spin on it. But uh, um, I think those are great because I think. Uh, you know, anytime you can get fresh ideas, I'm big on on stealing from from other people. So I think uh, the United Soccer Coach, you know, they give you they give you that, you know, with without having to to work too hard and, and dig around for it. You know, I mean, they're they're giving you the the names, the contacts, the uh, the sessions, and it's out there for you to to use. I'll end the way I started. The Alabama soccer team, coached by Wes Hart will host its first ever NCAA tournament game after the NCAA selected the Crimson Tide as a number one seed this week. The Tide will host Jackson State at 6 p.m. tomorrow as this is released on Thursday at the Alabama Soccer Stadium. They're the 2022 SEC champions. They went 19-2-1, an amazing 10-0 in regular season play. Shame on me, Wes Hart, for not making this happen early. You are an incredible story. I salute the work you've done at Alabama, and I wish you the best of luck, and I hope to see you maybe hosting a national championship title this year with the Tide. Thanks for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches Podcast, Wes Hart. Awesome. Thank you, Dean. Appreciate it. That man deserved the attention here on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, and I'm so glad that we were able to give a platform for Wes Hart, the head coach of the Alabama women's soccer team. He was pretty open about the notion of finding that job, that next head coach job. One of the things that Jeff Van Dusen has done at United Soccer Coaches is he's created the training ground and he's also been very vocal about United Soccer Coaches no longer being just a place where we post jobs, but being a resource to help people find the right job. And with the training ground, part of the curriculum is just that, helping people find new jobs. And one of our content creation leaders is the amazing Julie Balke, a media superstar who is the president and chief career strategist for the Balke Group. Julie Balke is fiercely committed to your career success. She has written a book called Stop Peeing on Your Shoes, Avoiding the Seven Mistakes That Screw Up Your Job Search. She has also submitted an article for December as part of the training ground and it is titled Job Search the Right Way. It's not about you, but it starts there. We'll break down that article and all Julie Balke has to offer after these messages. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced diplomas for more information. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? 
If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Lee Gaps. We now turn our attention back to the training ground where we have so many big time people that are part of our content creation consortium. I love saying that, by the way. And that's what we've got today as we're joined by Julie Balke. She's from the Balke Group, where you can find them at the three W's, the Balke Group, T-H-E-B-A-U-K-E group.com. I'll say that again, T-H-E. B-A-U-K-E group.com. Julie Balke is the president and chief career strategist of the Balke Group. Julie helps people build their dream careers. She is a dynamic and highly interactive speaker, trainer, and coach with a passion for educating and inspiring individuals to take charge of their career. She has been widely quoted in national publications, been featured on numerous radio shows, and is the careers and jobs expert on Cincinnati's Fox 19 TV, which I love as a TV guy. And we'll break down some of the work she's doing, and then we'll get into the fact that she will have some content as part of this amazing content creation consortium for the training ground. The name of her article, which will come out in December, what we're going to talk about today is called Job Search the Right Way. It's not all about you, but it starts there. We'll dive into that. But first, I want to get to know you a little bit better. I find your website fascinating. One of the things that popped out to me that says Julie Balke is fiercely committed to your career success. And then I also saw that you wrote this book, which I love the title, Stop Peeing on Your Shoes, because I always joke with my boys when they're playing basketball, never let them see you pee down your leg. So I'm, <laughs> I'm interested. First, uh, tell me about uh, your company. And uh, obviously, now people know where to find you. Yeah, so I've been in the career space for for decades um, and before it was even a thing frankly and because I spent the first part of my career in human resources where I would just have a stream of people coming in my door wanting to talk about you know some complaint related to their job and I realized that the core of it was people you know in study upon study by you know esteemed pollsters have borne this out people generally are unhappy at work and the challenge is they don't know what to do about it. And so I, I remember sitting in HR thinking, if you are so unhappy, why don't you leave? You can't really say that as a representative of the company, but I would think that. Mm -hmm. And then when I got an opportunity to go work with a global career services firm, working with people who just lost their jobs, I realized in so many of those people, once they got over the shock of losing their job, they would come back and go, yeah, they did me a favor. I wasn't very happy. And I used to think to myself, and you think that was a secret? So the, 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 we wait until somebody does it for us in way too many times versus just taking control of our career ourselves and figuring out what's wrong and how to fix it. And you know, it, it's, it's easy for me to say sitting here, but the truth is it's one of those things that nobody ever taught us is what does it look like to manage your career? And so for, I went out on my own in 2007 and worked in this space of helping people not wait until 
they were tapped on the shoulder and told, we don't need you anymore. Mm -hmm. But instead, giving them the tools to figure out how to navigate from where you are to where you want to be. And so I've been doing that since on my own. So I've been in the career space for 25 years, but I've been doing it on my own for about 15 years. And what I find, Dean, is that whether you are a coach or a CFO or an NFL player or an accountant or a marketing person, the process is the same. In other words, I always say the verbs are the same. It's just the nouns that are different. And we've worked with guys coming out of the NFL. We've worked with people leaving, you know, highly visible CEO level positions. We've worked with 30 year old marketing people. And what's so fun about it is once people, it, it's a life skill, the process of figuring out who you are today, what that means for you at work, and then how to go find something that's aligned with who you are and how you want to move forward. It's, it's, it's not rocket science. But it is because people don't, you've been never taught how to do it. You don't know how to advocate for yourselves. And there's a bunch of stuff all mixed up in there, a bunch of emotion, a bunch of self-doubt, a bunch of um, stuff we've been taught by our parents, you know, don't be a job hopper. You know, there's, there's just a lot of stuff that we deal with and to untangle that ball as an individual, it's hard. And that's why we exist is to help people figure that out so they can be happier at work which we believe with every fiber of our being means you will be a happier person at home in your relationships. Your health will be better. You'll just be a happier human being walking the planet. And we obviously need a lot more of those these days. So that's, that's how we got started and that's what we do. And, and we love it. So we always say we love what we do. And so we think we can be a good role model for those who want to love what they do as well. And you can get there. I actually do love what I do, including doing this podcast. And one of the things that I found fascinating with the creation of this training ground is meeting people like you. And one of the things I always want to know is how did the United Soccer Coaches find you and how did Julie Balke find the United Soccer Coaches? You know, that's a great question because Celia Slater, who runs True North Sports, Celia and I, I think it was one of those social media meetups sometime at some point because she was in Florida and I was in Cincinnati. And somehow we just kind of got connected on social media. She, she hired me to come speak at one of her conferences for coaches about, I believe I spoke about interviewing, you know, how to interview, how to find the right people for your team, how to go into it, you know, how to, you know, how to go through that whole process. And so she and I have just been good professional colleagues ever since, because the, one of the things when you look at coaches or coaching, it's a very, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's people feel like, you know, that, 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 that they, that their world is unique as we all do. And I, what I've proven to Celia time and time again is look, it is a knowing how to interview, knowing how to select the right people, knowing how to build relationships and network, knowing how to figure out who you are and what your next best move is. Um, those are, those are really skills that all of us, regardless of profession or industry need to have. And so, you know, all you do is tweak the language a little bit. In other words, change the nouns, whether you're talking to a group of CEOs or a group of coaches and I've done writing for her. I've done, um, uh, webinars for her. I've done teleseminars for her. Um, I've helped her individually and I've just made some really nice relationships across the coaching professions, really across the country via Celia. And so Celia is our, is our point of connection.
Make Your Work Life Matter. That is the main mission of Julie Balki, the president and chief career strategist for the Balki Group. Again, you can find her at the Balki Group, T-H-E-B-A-U-K-E group.com. She is now part of the training ground. She just told you how by getting to know Celia and her article will come out in December. And one of the great things about the training ground is using all the mediums that United Soccer Coaches has to offer to get the message out. And that's what we're going to do on this week's show, preview that article that will hit in December. The title is Job Search the Right Way. It's not about you, but it starts there. What does that mean exactly? Our process is think, plan, execute. It's not... And it's not an uncommon process for many of the things we do in our lives. When we plan our vacations, when we plan our retirement, when we plan a wedding, when we plan things, we we often start as we should with the end in mind. What is it? Where do you want to end up? What do you want that vacation to look like? What do you want your retirement to look like? And so our process is similar in that we say, um, start with the end in mind. But also, so in other words, as you go through this process, what does success look like? What does the right job for you look like. And that's that's the secret sauce. It doesn't matter whether the right job for you bears any resemblance to the right job for me or a thousand other people. It starts with you. We are our own unique little snowflakes in terms of what we bring to the table, what the outcome might look like, where we're going to be happy. So if you've ever had anybody, let's say you've talked to somebody and they tell you what they do and they love it and they're so excited about it. And you think to yourself, oh my gosh, that sounds horrible. You know? So our definition of career happiness, and I have actually a formula that I use, is unique to each of us. And so when you start the process, what a lot of people do is they start with, okay, who's hiring? Who's hiring? And they might go out there, look on job boards. Let's say they see you know, 10 jobs that they say, yeah, I'm qualified for those. Know that that is the opposite of how you ought to, you ought to look at it. The first thing you look at is what is the right job for me? And then you go through the process and figure out who's looking for you. You know, the, the example I use in my book is, you know, if you, if you go out there and you only, if you, if your world or your scope of opportunity is just limited to the things you see on the job boards, only about 25% of jobs are actually advertised or are, are on job boards. So between the between the uh, under the surface, there's jobs that are open and not advertised, or in the process of becoming open, they're in some at po some points. So and one of those jobs might be the one for you. So the first thing you do is you have to articulate what does the right job for you look like. What does it look like? What will you do every day? What will you get to do? Who will you work with? What will you get to avoid? What will the culture be like? What will the 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 leadership style of your organization be like? What is the best job? and place in which you can thrive. So in other words, we say to people, I say to people, what's your perfect 10? What does a 10 look like? In other words, if I could have everything I wanted in my next job, what would that look like, feel like, taste like, smell like? And then you define it, you put it on paper. Then that is your defined end. That's your end in mind that you're looking for. Then you back up and figure out how to get there. So if you, if you only limit your, say you go on the job boards and you say, oh, look, there's two jobs available. And I'm I'm interview I'm going to interview for these two jobs, and you're like okay, you know I'm going to interview for one, interview for the other. You go through the process, and and you you then at at the end of the process you're like okay, job A they made me an offer, so I, I got two offers, job A, job B. I'm going to take job A, yay! Well, what happens is 
if you'd gone through the process of what your what is your um, what's your perfect 10 look like, you would have recognized that job A is a six and job B is a five. You took job A because it was better than job B, but it's still a six. We call that the cream of the crap. And that mm -hmm. happens in hiring as well. You hire the best candidate available, but they still may not be the right one. And so you have to be able to define your 10 because at the end of the day, in that example, it's still a six and you're going to be miserable. And so you define what it looks like for you. Then you back up and you have to believe you deserve it, dang it. You know, I mean, I deserve to have the most of what I want because I'm good at what I do. Then you back up and go through this think, plan, execute process to get there. So if you don't start the process with what's right for me, you are unlikely to end up in anything that is the maximization of your talents and anything that's best for your career. You simply took the best available. And when you take the best player available or the best job available, I think you're missing something. I think you have to do your due diligence. You have to really do, go through a process because the job that's right for you might not have come to the surface yet on the job boards. And so that's when we start talking about using your connections, using your network, you know, um, really getting out there and looking for and finding something that's at least a seven or an eight for you. Um, because that is what's going to pay off collectively and exponentially in your career. So it has to start with you and what you want. And that has to, that starts with self-awareness and self-knowledge. And that's one of those things that we are, most of us are sorely lacking. Reading directly from your article, you say job search skills are life skills that you must learn to reach your career goals. Fortunately or unfortunately, this is typically a self-study proposition. No one taught you how to find a job. I can't count the number of professionals I have met who stayed in jobs they hated simply because they had no idea how to find another better opportunity. I'll touch on the two most important pieces, knowing yourself and person-to-person -person networking. Can you break those down? Yeah. So knowing what you're good at. So, so the process of, I call it intentional career planning and navigation. Absolutely. Step number one, cannot skip it is who am I? What do I like? What am I good at? What am I great at? What do I like to do? So when you look at my career happiness formula, the four steps, the first one is doing what you like. And if you're lucky, you love it. Doing what you're good at. If you're lucky, you're great at it. Those two in and of themselves I like it and I'm good at it. Doesn't necessarily guarantee a career because you can be good at something and be and like it, but if no one will pay you to do it, it's a hobby. And so, you know, you have to be good at it, like it. And then the next step is it has to be um, what you can get paid to do. And there's two pieces of that. And the first one is what do you need to make? If what you're really good at pays $60,000 a year, but you need to make 150, you know, you need to go back and readjust. And the second part is what's in demand. The market matters. You can be great at something and get paid to do it. I, I'm sorry, you can be great at something and love it. But if the market doesn't want it, like if you repair typewriters, you know, good luck. Um, and then the fourth piece of the career happiness formula is doing the work in a place in a way you can be successful. So culture fit. So those are the four things that have to exist. And so you have to have self-knowledge before you can tackle the career happiness formula. What am I good at? How do I work best? What kind of culture do I work best in? Um, what am I really good at? What do I like to do? Where am I going to get those best opportunities? And once you have, once you start to understand, and part of that is looking back and saying, where have I been successful in the past? 
where have I not been so successful? You know, I know we all hate to think about those things, but there are times when you have felt like, man, it does not even feel like work. And there are other times you feel like, I think I would rather, you know, I'd rather stab myself in the eye with my pen than go in the office today. And so organize, getting your thoughts around what are the things that were the places when I can, when I was the happiest and most successful, and then try to be able to articulate that. And then that becomes the core of your search. So you have to understand the job search process, which is why I wrote the book. It's, I wrote that book, Stop Peeing on Your Shoes, when I left the outplacement or career services world working for a big company because everybody was making the same mistakes over and over again. So I wrote it to be able to say, don't make these mistakes. If you just don't make these seven mistakes, you'll be much ahead of your peers. So understanding who you are and what you want. And here's what's so tricky about that. The answer to that question is different when you're 25, when you're 35, when you're 45, when you're 55, because your career runway is different. When you're 25, you've got 30 to 40 years left. When you're 55, you don't. And you are in a more evolved human. We evolve as humans. Thank God we're not the same as we were when we were 25. We evolve as humans. So therefore, what we want out of work also evolves. And it should. And so when, when people pick a major and then expect to stick with it for 40 years, it makes me laugh. I'm like, you're not going to. The happiest people I know are people who followed their gut, their self-knowledge, and pivoted in their careers based on who they were and what was most important to them at the time. And so your job search has to be based on that. And then the other thing that I talk about in the article is we get nowhere alone. Our relationships and by extension, our reputation is the core. So our seven steps to career planning and management, the second one is reputation management. If I believe that I am the best singer in the world, good for me. But if nobody else agrees, then I'm not getting anywhere. If I believe I'm the best head coach, if I believe I'm the most beloved head coach in the Big Ten, but all of my players and past players are like, no, she was an absolute nightmare. You know, she was, she was, she was very sure she was something she wasn't. I'm not getting anywhere. And so how we see ourselves and how others see us has to match. We have to be self-aware. I call it professional maturity. So that then will be part of that will that will inform your networking. Because we are we build relationships. We use those relationships. Relationships are the lifeblood of our careers. Networking is the, the ability and willingness to build and maintain mutually beneficial relationships that support our goals. And so if you don't have goals, if you have a bad reputation, then you are going to, your networking will not be a good use of time. But if you have developed a really good reputation throughout your league, as an example, everyone says, man, if I, if we could have, if we could have Betsy on our, on our coaching staff, that would be amazing. The minute that Betsy decides to leave university, a university B will be on her doorstep because she's developed that reputation. Reputation has so many different components to it, but people, if you are the type of person who is there to help when others need help, if you are true to your word, if you follow up, if you deliver consistently, people want more of you. If you don't, people might be polite to your face, but they will not reach out to help you. And so the relationships we build, they follow us through time. And if you're smart, you're taking an intentional approach 
to building relationships, which is really what networking is. Where most people, when you say networking, they're like, Ugh. you know, to them, it feels like small talk, throwing my business card out to everyone that'll take it. And that's why people, especially introverts, say, I'm not doing that. But when you reframe it in terms of building relationships, when you talk about job search the right way, the relationship building piece, the network you've built over time, the relationships you've built over time are absolute core to your ability and the likelihood, your ability to land your right next job and the likelihood of success. If you don't have those relationships or you have a bad reputation, um, good luck. I, I, I had a conversation with a person who was a broadcaster, a TV broadcaster in one of the markets that that I operate in. And he had left the market because he had a bad reputation. It was during the Me Too movement and he was known as very, very aggressive toward his female coworkers. So he left the market, went down, left the state, went to another market, had the same issue there. Contacted me, he's like, I really need to, I really wanna come back to this market. And so I put out some feelers. Too, and I'm like, okay. So he wanted to be a client, and I said, um, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me get back to you. So I contacted a lot of my media contacts, and they were like, he will never get back in this market um, because the word's out. And so I, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't my place to tell him that was why. Um, because he, all he would have done was deny it. But I just said, you know what, given your salary expectations and that, that really was part of it too. He wanted way more salary than what the market could bear at that point, but he needed to make that salary. I said, I can't take your money and take you as a client because I don't think you can be successful. I can be successful with you because of, you know, where you want, what the market's doing and, you know, what salary you want. But the truth was he had burnt so many bridges his reputation was so bad and he was never going to overcome that in the market because he had made so many, he had made so many mistakes. And the problem was, I mean, I've had people say, well, why didn't you tell him? I said, because then all of a sudden it becomes, he's going to be on a witch, a witch hunt to find out who said that about him. Mm -hmm. And it's just not, well, who told you that? That's not true because what do we do? We self-protect, but your reputation absolutely is a major component of you getting what you want and your network will respond and jump in and help you accordingly in this case and it's an extreme case i know but nobody wanted to attach their own reputation to this guy and so people decide based on what they know about you how helpful they want to be in your job search everybody wants to be associated with a winner Everybody wants to say, yeah, you know, I introduced this awesome person to this organization. Nobody wants to be the one who introduces somebody into an organization. The organization's like, dear God, where did we get this person? You know, and you're like, yeah, that was me. You know, because what a disaster that's been. You know, you are affiliate, you know, you we are known by the company we keep is what our parents told us when we were teenagers. And it, it plays out very consistently throughout our careers. And so understanding that that will attach to you and that will affect your career. I think that's why I chose when I wrote that post, that article for December, I chose to focus on you know, understanding how job search works and networking as 
the two most important pieces that if you could nail those and understand and take that with you as you move forward and know that this is about you and what you want. And it is also about the relationships you build. You will, you know, you'll, you'll have 60 to 70% of the job search learning you need if you actually take that to heart and execute on it. Love the energy, love the passion of Julia Balki, the president and chief career strategist for the Balki Group. One more time, it's C-H-E-B-A-U-K-E group.com. You can also learn about her book that she's referenced several times called Stop Peeing on Your Shoes. You end with this, and I want to get a comment on it as you have been a fascinating guest. I mean that sincerely. Above all, don't be afraid to jump in and make mistakes. Job search is a healthy dose of kissing frogs. You have to learn about about an interview for many roles that aren't the right ones to be able to even identify the ones that are the right ones for you right now. And don't be afraid of a less than perfect landing as such fear can be paralyzing. If they're being honest, anyone with any kind of career success could tell you story after story about their mistakes along the way. As I write this, it's Wednesday. Heck, I'll probably make another one yet this week. Good luck and get busy. I like that ending right there, Julie. That's nice. One of the things that people say, and it just is a pet peeve of mine, is when they say, ah, I still don't want to, don't know what I want to be when I grow up. That makes my teeth, that sets my teeth on edge. Cause I'm like, you know what? I think you're over 18 or you're over 22. You're grown up. It's time to figure it out. You know, and the, and, you know, one of my other, I always say the career fairy isn't coming. You know, this is, this is you you have to figure out who you are and what you want. And what people do is they, they, they stay in jobs that they hate because it's either I don't know what I want to do or I know what I want to do and I don't know how to get it. So the person who's like, I don't know what I want to do, but even if I did, I wouldn't know how to get it. I, I really do feel for them because it's a very tough place to be. Um, but you've got to get out there, get started, talk to people, become curious about other people's careers, um, ask people about, you know, what, what's the best advice you can give somebody, um, about, you know, about, um, their career and their work life. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have taken jobs. We shouldn't just like all of us, you know, my, my, one of my colleagues and I always joke about how we're, <clears throat> we're going to write, uh, we're going to write a book called why job search is like dating. You know, we we learn who we want to who we want to date, who we want to be married to, who we want to commit to, based on a lot of times bad experiences we've had. And in one of the experiences, I so when people are in job search, they are very, they feel almost sometimes needy and desperate, like somebody please hire me. And we've worked with clients where we can we can see there are red flags that we're like, oh. You know, but they really want to take the job and we're like, oh gosh, based on everything you've told me, based on everything that's important to you, this job is not a fit. And you can tell that they want to take the job because they're getting so tired of looking. And, you know, as a coach, we can't tell you what to do, but we can say, look at all these red flags here. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he seems a little difficult, but you know, I can work with anybody, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then three months later, we get a call. Uh, yeah, so I guess I can't work with anybody or what a mistake I've made. And we tell people, play the long game. If you've just started in your search, it's so tempting to take the first thing that comes along. 
because you just want, because jobs are, it's uncomfortable. You're feeling like you're asking people for things. You're feeling needy and desperate and unloved and all of that. And you're feeling like nobody wants me. And so it's tempting to go for the first person who makes you an offer. But if you go through the process of figuring out what your perfect 10 looks like, you've created a framework or a straw man to then evaluate each opportunity as it comes along against that. And so you're going to know, well, this isn't, this isn't even close to what I want. This next one, it's not close either. And we say, play the long game because you will find something that's a better fit. And finding those things that aren't a great fit is simply deepening your knowledge about what's important to you and what you want. And also your confidence, knowing that there are companies out there, organizations, universities that want you, but they may just not be right for you. It has to be just because they want you doesn't mean you have to want them. And so get very clear and committed to what's most important to you in your next step and then settle for nothing less. It doesn't have to be a 10, but it ought to be at least an eight. And if you can get yourself to believe that you deserve that and learn to say no, even when it's just your gut feel that's telling you no and believing that something better is going to come along, you know, you, you will, you will have a career that you will have a much more optimal career for you and who you are. If you just develop the courage to run your process and not let, you know, run your, run your job search process, run your career, be really in charge of it and setting instead of what most people do, which is just go, which go, go whatever way the wind blows. That's not a way to plan your retirement, your vacation, your finances. And it's certainly not a way to plan your career. The article is called Job Search the Right Way. It's not about you, but it starts there. It's part of the training ground, our incredible content creation consortium. One of the things when Jeff Van Dusen was hired as the CEO, one of his initiatives was the training ground. One of his key parts of the training ground was to say United Soccer Coaches is not just a place to post jobs, but a place to help you find jobs. And clearly, Julie Balke, that's what she does as the president and chief career strategist for the Balke Group, make your work life matter as we say goodbye if people hear this right now and they want to work with you julie i mean you're in the business as well you have a job to do how can people work with you how can they find you uh if you go to um the balkygroup.com there's a coaching request form but what i also want to say is i am a i have a lot of my media posted i do a lot of radio and tv where i talk about these things and if you want to just go to our website and just call through our content, listen to my media pod, my media appearances, you know, listen, just take whatever you can into it. Google me, take, you know, if you, if you say, you know, I'm not ready to do coaching, but I want to learn more about this. I have a lot of free content out there just based on my radio and TV appearances and some of the things I've written. And so just go out there and become a student of managing your career, but you certainly could hire us to um, help you get, you know, help you get what you want out of your career. It's an investment, but we always say, you know what, it pays off. You have to invest in yourself. Nobody cares about your career more than you do, nor should they. And so, you know, it's, it's a way of showing up for yourself and believing that you're worth um, the investment of time, energy, and resources. So there's a lot of great help out there. Um, there's a lot of bad information out there. I, of course, like to think I am the good information. So um, you can Google me. You can go on our website, read a lot of uh, the stuff that I've written and spoken about. And um, hopefully we will see you at the conference in January. And, you know, happy to answer anybody's questions there as well. 
Can't wait to see Julie Bauke at the convention when she says she is fiercely committed to your career success. You can hear in her voice, her energy, and her passion. She means it. Again, it's the Bauke Group, T-H-E-B-A-U-K-E group.com. Thanks so much for being a part of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast training ground portion of the show. And we look forward to your article being released in December. And as you said, seeing you at the convention in Philadelphia. Julie, a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dean. That's our show today. I want to thank Wes Hart and Julie Bauke. I want to thank Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. And, of course, I appreciate our producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for a very special Hall of Fame edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.